The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate and, in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, everyone. Happy Tuesday. I'm your host, Vince Rocco, and you are listening to Good Morning New York here on the Voice America Network. We have a full show for you today. Later in the program, I will be talking to my panel about our weekly topics, but first... Reality TV is a genre of television programming that documents unscripted, unscripted situations and actual occurrences and often features a previously unknown cast. The shows often highlight personal drama and conflict to a much greater extent than other unscripted television shows such as documentaries. But many people ask, are these shows really unscripted or are the cast members set up with proposed scenes and words to say – there's a big controversy at times over this. Well, I have my opinions, but we'll hold those for a minute. My first guest today is no stranger to reality television. She is a TV personality, author, clothing and jewelry designer, and more. She starred on the first four seasons of The Real Housewives of New York. Since leaving the show, Jill Zarin has stayed in the limelight through many guest appearances, including Oprah's Where Are They Now? and an appearance with uh, several appearances with her former boss, Andy Cohen, on his late-night show. She is returning big news to TV tonight at 10 o'clock on ABC in uh, their new reality show, uh, Celebrity Wife Swap. We'll talk about that in a bit. But first, Jill, it's my pleasure to say good morning, and thank you for joining us today. Good morning. I have a surprise for you. What is that? Well, number one, I lost my voice, so I've got (laughs) someone to help me speak. Wait, wait, I've got someone. Jenna Von Oy, who was close, who's Jenna Von Oy is co-starring with me on Wife Swap, Celebrity Wife Swap, happens to be with me and a beautiful family so we can watch the show together tonight. Isn't that She's something? right here. Say hi. Je- Jenna, good morning. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. I'm happy to join you. Good morning. I'm looking forward to the show this evening. But anyway, Jill, so let's, let's start with, you know, for the first four seasons of you know, Real Housewives, I guess starting in 2008, you were part of that show. Can you take us back to before that and tell us, you know, what you were doing, where you were, and how you got to that point of being cast in that show? Well, gee, I don't know how I survived without that show now that I'm looking back. Um, I'm just kidding, actually. <laughs> it's almost like I forgot I did it. I really do. I feel like I forgot I did that, that show. Um, I was just living, living the dream, living the dream. And um, they must have heard about it. And they called me and asked me if I'd be interested in doing a show called, uh, it was called, uh, the, not The Real Mountain. Um, I forgot the name of it. It was not called The Real Housewives. Um, you know, it's, I'm having like a mind blank. I can't remember the name of the show that they told us it was. Anyway, it wasn't The Real Housewives. And I said yes because I thought it would be a fun adventure a way to capture my family on TV and have this great video, which now looking back, I'll never let them watch. Number two, that it would, um, you know, launch a career that I already had and, and, and bring exposure to it um, and also have a lot of fun. 
you know, and meet new women and have new experiences and be famous. But I didn't expect to be this famous. I thought it would be like a flash in the pan. I'd have the right, you know, I'd do it for a year and then I'd go away. But this I didn't expect. Um, and it turned out to be a big deal. You know, the real, and, and I, you know what? I'm going to tell you the secret why. You want to know why people know me yes. more, or our show more than any other show and why they remember it? Yes. It's called being brainwashed. Bravo had Project Runway, and there was a big lawsuit, and they lost it to, 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 um, to Lifetime. But they had the time slot. They didn't have it filled. So they kept on putting on commercials for the housewives because they didn't have Project Runway. And there was an advertising campaign that was slotted for Project Runway that they gave to housewives. So we picked up a lot of extra hours. And at the time, hmm. we were only the second housewife show. First it was Orange County, then it was New York. There were no other reruns except us. So we literally played in your living room like 24 hours a day for like years until then they brought on New Jersey, they brought on Atlanta, they brought on Miami, they brought on Washington, D.C. Then they only put it on for the season it was in and it was out. But New York kept running over and over and over and over for a very long time. So there's my secret. Okay, but so let me ask you, so but for, four, but for four years, though, the ratings were incredible. Listen, I was a tremendous fan of yours and the show at the time. I don't watch it anymore. But, you know, it seems like the audience couldn't get enough of you, especially the, the Jill and the Bethany saga. What, I mean, why, you know, why were you such a standout on that show? I, I get the whole premise of the show, but you definitely were such a standout on that program. What, I think what? I'd have to interview you for that answer. <laughs> I don't really... I don't know. I think it. I think it hit a chord with America. I think that everybody's got a friendship that they struggle with, and they're scared about losing. Okay. And I think that that really hit a chord with people. You said in an interview um, a while ago that you were given the opportunity of a lifetime. That not everyone wants that opportunity, but a girl like me with a mouth like mine, it's a dream come true. So does that explain it? Yeah, I think I said that on Oprah. Yeah. Um, well, it's true. Listen, I, you know. I, I needed a break. For, I did that show for four years nonstop, and I couldn't take up the pace. I couldn't do the pace anymore. But, right. you know, I'm ready to get back on TV. And guess what? I'm going to be on TV tonight with Jenna Von Oy on Celebrity Wife Swap. I'm back. I... <laughs> I'm back. I know you are. Before we get to that, though, Bravo announced in April of 12 that the show would be revamped for its fifth season. Effectively, got rid mm -hmm. of all the cast, including yourself. Were you happy that it ended? I think you just you know, said that you, know, you were tired of it. You had had enough. It's five long years. Were you really you know, ready to go and move on and do other things? Listen, I, I, I hate even talking about that show anymore. Let's move forward. That's exactly why. Perfect. There you go. You know, that's in the past and the present is Celebrity Wife Swap and the future is my gem shopping network. So I've got so many things going on now that I think All people right, so want to hear about that they're tired of hearing about Housewives. All right, so listen, so tonight at 10 on ABC, uh, Celebrity Wife, Star, uh, Wife Swap premieres. Tell me about it. Jenna's with you. Jenna Vanoy is with you. Tell me how uh, easy it was for you to go from your household into Jenna's household and then the reverse. I mean, you know, when you look at it, you think, okay, it should be easy enough, but I'm sure it wasn't. Tell, tell us about that. Um, well, you know, it happened for me so fast, to be honest with you. I was um, asked about it not very, you know, very recently. And my daughter was graduating college, so I didn't have time to think about it. I was on the road literally for a month. So when I got asked to do the show, I wasn't even home and ready. So it was surreal because when I got home, I had one day to pack and leave. <laughs> so I didn't have time to think about it. Jenna, what happened to you? 
for me, it was a, a longer process. We, we had a long time to lead up to it and lots of interviews and good stuff and had no idea what we were getting ourselves into, to be perfectly honest. I mean, we watched a couple of shows just to sort of check it out, and my husband and I talked about it. We have a two-year-old, so there was a, a lot to consider in terms of parenting, but we couldn't have ended up with a better swap. I mean, I got a nurturing mom to come to my house and watch my two-year-old in my place for the week, so I couldn't have asked for a better situation. We had right, a good so time. The- so for the listening audience who doesn't necessarily know what the premise of the show is or has even watched a show, tell us about what Celebrity Wife Swap is. What is the show about? So Celebrity Wife Swap is a show that allows two celebrities to swap places for the week. Uh, so Jill went to my house, for instance, in Nashville and hung out with my husband, watched my two-year-old, spent some time with my five dogs. Okay. <laughs> five <laughs> and dogs. I stayed here in, the husband, in, in, uh, in Jill's place with her husband, Bobby, and her daughter, Allie, and her dog, Ginger. And uh, I learned about Hampton, the Hampton social scene, and she learned about my down-home Nashville life. Jill, what did you think of Nashville? Well, you know, my daughter had just graduated Vanderbilt University the mm-hmm. week before wife swap. So I literally got off a plane, came home, packed, unpacked, and went back to Nashville. I love Nashville. And, in fact, I knew, you know, a little bit more than probably another wife would have known about Nashville. So I try to – I was able to participate, really, in the activities. Like, when you see the surprise beauty bus tonight, which you're going to drop dead when you see, I actually knew those girls because they did my makeup – by graduation, Eileen and I had her hair and makeup done for graduation. I wanted it to be her to be a princess. And so I reached out to Carrie Underwood, and I got her hair and makeup team, and they happened to own a beauty bus. So, I mean, there were a lot of things that benefit, the show benefited by me knowing Nashville. Jenna, what did you think of the, uh, the Hamptons? Were you familiar with the Hamptons prior to uh, <laughs> moving into Jill's house for a week, or, or were, you, were you completely unfamiliar? I was completely unfamiliar. Uh, I've been to the Hamptons once before. I, back when I was on a show called Blossom years ago, I, uh, I came to co-host MTV Beach Party here in the Hamptons. And that's the last time I was here. So it was probably 15, 20 years ago because uh, Blossom has actually been out of syndication until just recently uh, for, for the last 15 years. So it's been a very long time. And I was uh, quite surprised. I mean, obviously, being in a stunning home on the beach doesn't hurt. So no. I wasn't mad about it at all, but it, was, but it was a new lifestyle for me. It was definitely a change. Jill, your home is in Southampton, correct? Yes, yes, I am. Okay. So um, aside from the, 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 you know, the fabulous lifestyle in Southampton, what did you, what did you, you know, cull from that, that living or, or, I mean, obviously living on the ocean is wonderful compared to living in Nashville. Nashville also is wonderful. But did you, you know, get a sense that this is quite a different lifestyle, Jenna? I mean, you know, completely different from what you know most what? people live in. From the, from, when you see the show from the get-go, I really put my mommy hat on because I felt like, I felt when I, before I even walked in the house, I felt like it was a starter home situation that they were a younger couple. They had a two-year-old. I have a grandchildren older than her daughter. So I already knew, you know, I'd written a book, Secrets of a Jewish Mother, and I knew that it was going to be more of a, you know, I've lived longer and have a little bit more experience kind of thing that I would be able to share things that would help this family. However, I would help them, you know, like when I would give my daughter advice. She's going to have a home, and she's going to have a young family, and I'm going to be like a mother to her. And that's kind of how I 
took it off. And for and for me, it was more like a kind of a mama's night out. <laughs> I learned <laughs> I learned a lot about I learned a lot about uh, about the social scene that I don't that I'm not privy to the majority of the time. But I think you know, watch the show tonight because it's really I think there's there's kind of a, a, a sweet lesson in, in in the contrast between the two of us. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. And so stay right there, guys. We have to take a break. But first, you were listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. I'm here talking to Jill Zarin. Uh, about uh, Celebrity Wife Swap, and we have uh, a special guest, J- uh, Jenna, with her. Jill, I wanted to ask you, though, um, uh, about the party you just had this past weekend at your house for, I think, 75 women, the Luxury Ladies Luncheon for the Sam Waxman Foundation. Is that something you do every year? It's my second year, but every year I pick a different charity. The so last year, it was for the Eric Trump Foundation for um, St. Jude's Hospital. Okay. And you and Bobby co-chaired the Hamptons Happenings for the same, well, this year, I guess, for the same can, uh, Sam Waxman Cancer Research Foundation. And when is that? We are, because Bobby, um, it's, it's actually July 26th. Tickets are still, still available. We will be there. My family will be there. It's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of a very famous chefs are going to be there cooking. Um, it's all food and silent auction items and a lot of fun dancing. Um, and it's going to be on July 26th. So just go to uh, SamWaxmanFoundation.org. Samuel Waxman Foundation.org. Well, Waxman okay. Foundation. I don't know what it is. I'm sure you'll we'll, find it. <laughs> we'll, we'll find it. Too many words. Yeah. My, my yeah. source is gone. As you gotcha. can hear me. I can. <clears throat> All right. So you're premiering the your Jill Zarin Fine Jewelry Sales on July 23rd and 24th on the Gem Shopping Network. Tell us a little bit about that. Okay. Well, this one's a little bit more tricky finding me. But the fun is, is if you can find me, on next Wednesday and Thursday, from 2 to 6 on Wednesday, and from 7 to 11 on Thursday, it's GEM Gem Shopping Channel. It's not everywhere. It's in half the country, but not the other half. So if you want to see me, you can go online to see me, at, and you can click, go through JillZarin.com, and you'll click through. But you can call in 
So if you want to talk to me, you can call me at Gem Shopping Network. And it's really an interactive show where I'm showing off jewelry. Some of it's mine. Some of it's not mine. It's pieces that I curate in the collection. Uh, and I'll be selling a lot of jewelry from price points from, you know, $500 to $100,000. And it's really whatever I'm feeling in the moment that I'll bring out on the table and say, hey, let's talk about this. It's a really fun way to sell jewelry. Uh, and, and that's what I'm doing. And I love it. I love it. Julie, you create, are you creating these jewelry. pieces? Are you creating these pieces or are these pieces that you find? That you... Cre- Go ahead. Well, I've created a capsule collection called mm-hmm. Jill's Aaron Fine Jewelry because I didn't have enough time to do a full-on one and I wouldn't cheat. I wasn't going to go pick jewelry and put my name on it. I wanted it to be stuff I designed. So it's a capsule collection and hopefully that will sell out. And I'll be still selling a lot of gem shopping jewelry that they have for me, for me to pick from. Sounds good. It's a very interesting concept, what they do. What they do is they put out, you know, a million dollars worth of jewelry in the room for me as a host. And I get to select the pieces I like. I put them on this round carousel. It goes on television. Mm -hmm. You watch it. And then you call in and say, I like, you know, ring number 12 because they're all numbered. And then you pull it and you talk about it. And sometimes they bid on it. Sometimes there's an auction. Sometimes they'll speak to the person they're talking to on the phone and make an offer. It's really a fun show. So you have to talk about the pieces that may be selected from someone watching or calling Correct. in that be interested. Exactly. Okay. So let's let's stump Jill Darren and pick a piece I have, not, I have no knowledge about. That's going to be fun. Yeah, it sounds very interesting, actually. So um, the 23rd <laughs> and 24th, Wednesday from 2 to 6 and Thursday from 7 to 11. Tell us a little bit about your, your Squeeze couture line. Is that, is that your shapewear collection? And is that Would something you believe that you could- I'm going on my fourth year? I'm doing my fourth season of Squeeze Couture Shapewear. I never thought in a million years, you know, that I'd even be selling this. It's just what I've done for 25 years. So I have a Squeeze Couture Shapewear line available at Lord & Taylor and many other retailers. You can go to the website, squeezecouture.com, uh, and online. And, um, you know, right now I'm working on an incredible product that's coming up this fall. It's Tolis Pantyhose Shapewear. So it's uh, for women whose legs aren't as good looking as they were when they were 20 and they're wearing a dress. They should be wearing sheer pantyhose, but they want to wear peep toe. You, now you can. You don't have to have your toes closed. I have it seamed shut so that it won't run and you can wear an open toe shoe. It's called and Toeless. It's toeless? Toeless? Toeless pantyhose. And I know it sounds of- contradictory, but it works. Listen, it sounds like it does. And and, and it's in Lord and & Taylor's. I'll send and you a pair. Listen, you know, you never know. Um, how, never did you know. Do, how did you do in the competition in the U.S. Open National Playoffs, Eastern Sectional on June 9th? I think you competed with Luann, but not against each other, but just played in, in the competition. Was that fun for you? Well, I, I told her about it, so she wanted to do it, so she called them to do it. So I was so happy that she did it with me. Um, I, well, I won. I won the whole U.S. Open, and I'm going in September, and I'm very excited. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I lost. I lost bad, 6-0, But that one game that we won was my game, and I didn't double fault. And I played against the number one doubles team who, I don't know, I have to find out if they won to go to the U.S. Open. That I have to find out if they got knocked out. But it was very exciting. I mean, just to be wearing a U.S. Open shirt, you know, I mean, just to be at Flushing Meadow and be allowed through the VIP gate. I mean, please, I was dying. I know. I, now I that would agree with I should have had Bravo cameras for. See, that's the <laughs> stuff that Bravo missed. 
You know, I have so much going on in my life. I really do think I probably have more going on now than I did then to follow. And they missed all of it. My, my fans, they did. They missed all of it. I try to get it on Instagram and Facebook and um, all the social media, but, you know, you can't possibly capture it that way. So what well, goes on just goes on. Well, let's just hope that um, Celebrity Wife Swap, you know, brings you right back to where you belong in the spotlight. And who knows what the future's uh, about. I want to talk to you. I love you. Well, I listen, let's, let's, let's do it. But, you know, recently, luxury listings, and I just met, missed you at this party. I think I came either before or after you were there. But the, uh, they featured your Upper East Side home on its current cover, which is absolutely gorgeous. And you were featured guest at their summer issue, Soiree. How did that come about? I mean, I know, remembering back to the show, that you were renovating your house, your, your home, uh, your apartment, rather, in New York. Did you do it a second time, or was this the same one? I don't remember the timing. This is the this might be number three. This is the third time. This house was not redone again, um, but they wanted to feature my apartment. So I'm like, hey, let's go for it. They loved it. They said it looked like Tiffany's. I said, okay. Tiffany it is. It does is look it, like Tiffany's. Is it difficult to renovate and decorate, or is it easy for you? Oh, it's easy. If, if my husband will let me do it. The problem is we have to move out. And we don't <laughs> even live there. We live really all over the place. So I don't know why he won't let me. But he doesn't want to renovate again. He's done. He says, we'll sell it before I'm renovating again. I said, all right. I don't care. <laughs> well, you I'm, sell I'm, it. You got to start over. Well, um, Maybe you know. Maybe if I so- have a reality show, I'll do it again. If there I have my go. own reality show, I'll do it again. There you go. You call your home base camp. Why is that? Camp Zarin. Uh, no, like Camp Zarin is your, your your home in the Hamptons, but don't you call your apartment base camp or do I have it confused? Oh, yeah. Well, that's right. You're right. That is, that's true. I call it base camp because that's where I go to pack and unpack to go wherever I'm going. Mm-hmm. So I got to have a place to keep my toiletries and my clothes, some of my clothes. Not much of my clothes is there right now, but I keep my stuff there and my daughter's there, so it's base camp. Okay. You know, your book, Secrets of a Jewish Mother, Real Advice, Real Family, Real Love. You wrote an opinionated guide to life from the point of view of three Jewish moms, you, your mom, and your sister. Was that cathartic for you to write? I mean, it's it's been out for a while, but... Uh, was that cathartic for you to write? It, you know what? It forced me to remember things that I probably didn't remember. And I also learned things about my own family when I read the book. I didn't know that my sister knew that my parents didn't have enough money for us to both go to camp. I didn't know that. And I didn't know that they even, you know, they, what happened was we both could, my parents couldn't afford to send us both to camp. And she had to make a decision, you know, like Solomon, who gets to go back. So my mother said, my sister had gone one more year than me because she's older. So they decided that since she had gone one more year, that, that she wouldn't go back, and I would. And my sister had to be told why she wasn't going back. And they said, because we can't afford it, and we're going to send your sister. So my sister was like, okay, I love my sister. I, that's fine with me. Now, if they had asked me, I hated camp. She loved camp. And I would have said, send her and leave me home. How about uh-huh. that? I hated it. They tortured me. Tortured me. <laughs> Publishers, me. Publishers Weekly says of that girl. book. I remember them. Wendy Markowitz. I remember. I remember uh-huh. the name. Eileen Gray. Wendy Markowitz. And I don't remember the third one. But they it absolutely traumatized me. Well, you know, camp isn't for everyone. I, I was not a, a big lover of camp myself. But um, it Thank has its... It has its moments. But, you know, one of the Publishers Weekly says the book was a very honest and self-aware and frequently funny. These women deliver a triple strength dose of universal advice. 
So did you write this book because you wanted to tell your story and get everybody to understand who you are, where you came from? Uh, and, uh, you know, I remember your mom, Gloria, from the Housewives Appearances. How is she, by the way? You know what? My parents are still here. They're in New York City. They, we took them to the city yesterday. They're leaving tomorrow. Um, they are fantastic. Not good. My father just turned, <clears throat> and we're not going to say, but he looks <laughs> unbelievable. And they're healthy. They're, they're, they're you know, they, they're, um, they're incredible. You know, my father attributes his health to doing isometric exercise every day for the last 50 years, 15 minutes. Yep, wow. he just does some exercises by himself, does use his own body, no weight, unbelievable health. And um, my grandmother lived to 106. It doesn't hurt, by the way. We have incredible genes. Um, we wrote the book because we wanted to really do it for our children. So my daughter has a roadmap to how to live her life. She could choose what she wants, but she'll know what we want her to do. She knows where, what we think, what we want for her, and, um, you know, our belief system. And she could either choose it or, or, or push it away, but that's why we did it for our children. What's next for Jill Zarin? I mean, you've done so much, you know, since uh, you, you know, hit the scene, I guess, in 2008. You've been very successful. You've been very popular, you know, an author, you know, jewelry, uh, you know, reality television. What, you know, what is next for you, Jill? I mean, what would you like to see well, what's happen? Well, literally in front of me is, well, what's literally in front of me is I'm leaving Thursday for an appearance at Caesar's Palace with a bunch of other housewives around the country. And then I'm doing um, a gem, gem television network next week. Then I come back to the Hamptons and hopefully, oh, and then I'm doing a TV show for Bravo in August with my daughter Allison in L.A., and then, which I can't really talk about. And then, um, you know what? We'll see where White Swap brings me. You know, maybe that'll bring us some more opportunities for both of us, Jenna and I. This show for, this show for Bravo, is it a it's, series or just an episode of something? It's an episode of someone else's series, exactly. Gotcha. And so Wife Swap, with the hopes of you know, success tonight, which I have no doubt, uh, will be. Let's see where the future takes you. And let's see where or how I know. Quickly. So we'll have to check back in in six months, see what happens. <laughs> this is very mm-hmm. true. But in the meantime, 10 o'clock tonight, ABC Celebrity Wife Swap, uh, Jill Zarin and Jenna Van Oy. And uh, I, I look forward to it. I think it's going to be a great show. And, Thank you. Um, By the way, we're going to be live tweeting together. So we're going to have a lot of fun social media in the commercial. We're going to live tweet during commercials. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, cool. Jill, thank, thank you so right. much for being with us. Thank Jenna, you so thank much. you for being here, Have too. Have a great day. Have a nice day. Thank you. And we'll be Bye. right back. Don't go away. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. 
You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we're back. I just wanted to say thanks again to Jill Zarin and uh, her show, Celebrity Wife Swap, airs tonight on ABC at 10 o'clock Eastern. So be sure to look out for that. Joining me right now is my panel of uh, brokers, Feet on the Street, Niall Lundgren, president of his own firm, Dalian Realty, Deborah Hoffman, town residential in Peru, Brombat from Core. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Vince. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm good. Okay, so listen, you know, the luxury condo market we've been talking about forever. Um, and, you know, recently there have been reports that there seems to be an overload or an abundance of units on the market that haven't yet sold. And, I mean, for, for a variety of reasons, I think we've seen a little bit of a slowdown. But, you know, New York City's development condos have been breaking price records and making headlines for over-the-top boom times like er- the earlier days. But, there is still some concern about just how to sustain the market for those new luxury condos. Is there an emerging oversupply of luxury condos after a long spell of tight inventory? You know, that's the question that most people have been asking these days, an oversupply of luxury condos. How would you guys characterize the new development landscape in the city today? And what do you predict going forward? Is there really an overload? I mean, is there more product? And I hate to, and I'm interested in your commentary because I don't, I don't, really necessarily see it, but this is really what's been reporting. How do you feel about that? Well, you know, I, was, I feel I feel like there was a time when I, I, I think we were all in the market then about 2005, 2006, even end of 2004, where people were talking about, I mean, every other news article said bubble, 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 bubble. Now, every market is cyclical. It's going to have its ups and downs. Lehman obviously was not something that we had predicted, um, however, you know, there's always going to be a little bit of fluctuation in any given market. Um, however, um, right now, whenever the conversation even starts coming up, um, a lot of times what I've noticed is the article title will be something like, are there too many condos? And then when you actually look at the body of the article itself, it will really attest to the fact that our absorption rates have doubled in the last year. In other words, it will be decreased by half, it, I guess is the right way of putting it which is we're absorbing um, new development. I mean, apartments in general, um, it used to be that we absorbed them in 180 days. Now the absorption rate has gone down to 90. Um, and that's just the data from this year alone. So, I mean, really, it's what we're feeling and experiencing on the ground, and, you know, I'm sure um, Niall and Deborah would agree, is we are struggling to have enough inventory to show the people, not the other way around, and what's coming onto the market in the next 12 months, 24 months, is really a lot less number of condos than what we've had on the market in the past, and we've still been able to work through. Yeah, I think you know you're completely right with that. I mean, back in the back in the day when there's the previous peak uh, parole, I think there was 8,000 condos that were coming on the market. Comparatively, there's going to be about 3,000 mm-hmm. condos launched this year. So. You know, you're you're completely right. There is, I, I see it. I mean, there's just a lack of inventory across the board. Um, and then, you know, when you do see a new condo, you know, it's going at ask or above ask. So it's very competitive. You know, still a lot of cash bidders out there. Cash is always going to be king, and it, you know, cash is very dominant in the market. So 
it, it is still competitive and there is, it's not, you know, as you said, you, you read the title versus the body. It's not so much what the, uh, the title says, but versus the body, because, you know, it is, uh, I would say much slimmer than, you know, previous peak times. And also, I think one of the most important things to understand as well is um, it's unfortunately, and I mean, I realize that this is, I I would agree to the idea that there is, in fact, a lack of inventory between, in the lower price ranges, like something between 1,500 a square foot to 2,500 a square foot. Um, I do think that there are a lot of buyers who really wish we could go back to that. But given the land prices going up, I think that the higher prices are going to become a Manhattan reality. And increasingly, even Brooklyn prices are starting to catch up. So really, as much as it is a shocking change for all of us, um, and it really, you know, does make Manhattan more unaffordable to live for, for your average buyer, it's becoming the reality, I think. And it's not the exception with the rule that the prices are simply going up because of the lack of the amount of property there is to go around. Well, that's what I wanted to ask about because, you know, when you see most of these units are being priced over 2000 and in some cases up to 3000 a foot, can we sustain these prices? I mean, even in a, in, well, in a limited inventory and now, you know, news reports that we have an abundance of, of new condo units on the market. I mean, can we sustain those prices, number one? And number two, I mean, is that potentially the reason why we're starting to see that they're not moving as quickly? I mean, where are we no. with that? I think we can sustain the prices as long as the quality is good. Because what scares me is I remember in the mid-90s, there was a lot of new development. A lot of new developers who had never developed before were starting one project here, maybe another developer, another project there. And the quality was not as good as many of the other developments. And people started to see that, and they started to question all the developments which even the good quality ones were being looked a little askance at. So that's my only concern because the market is ripe for these new developers who were not doing what we call the punch list. You know, you'd buy a $2 million apartment and it wouldn't have doorknobs or faucets. Mm -hmm. That was back in the 90s from these new, I guess, rogue developers or whatever. I'm hoping they don't come into the market, but that's the one thing that could really make people hesitate. I think that I think that's really interesting real quick Deborah because you know I actually have a couple close relationships with some developers and you know ha- when they do build you know for example um one of my developer friends released a condo um on Bond Street and he had put in all these high end finishes and spent a lot of money on his end but then when buyers came in they ended up just ripping it all out and putting their own you know finishes in <laughs> so he was like what am I going to do am I going to spend the extra you know $100 per foot on this apartment you know, to make it, you know, retrofitted or, you know, outfitted the way that I want it to be when, you know, a high-end buyer is just going to come in and then customize it exactly how they want it. You know, so I think that... A perfect example of that, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, is 15 Central Park West. I mean, I've seen major gut renovations when the building just started closing, so when the building was brand new and these, you know, are uber, you know, priced expensively, you know, crazy, you know, apartments... And people would rip out kitchens and bathrooms completely. So that's a good point. What about, you know, I keep hearing that developers are more eager to sell units because they are concerned that today's market is not sustainable. I think even the developers are thinking, all right, so we're up to 2,000 a foot, you know, 3,000 a foot, whatever. But, you know, when the market seems to be hopping, I'm kind of getting nervous because maybe this is going to top off at some point and then start dropping. Do you think they're letting units go um, 
for that reason or even for lower than asking prices because they may be starting to get a little nervous. This is what I see in some of my research. What do you think about that? Um, actually, Vince, what I would say is you have to understand the psyche of a developer. And I think that most developers in general um, have a lot of skin in the game when they are building a building. And so in general, when there's that much money on the line, um, it's sort of like one in the hand versus two in the bush. Um, I think that's the mindset more often than not. It's not necessarily about having any sort of actual data that says the market will change. It's just that they're focused on the fact that right now they know with certainty that the market is strong and they would rather move the apartments now than take on the risk of later. But that's just because that's what they do for a living, and I think that it's important to understand that psychology. I, In my experience right now, I really, I mean, am hearing, like, it's almost laughable when you try to negotiate anything at all on developments lately um, so my experience on the street, I would say, is does not attest to there being, you know, there being any actual behavior that suggests that developers are cutting prices or um, or letting things go. I think that the only times you see those, even some sort of a, a concession, is because, like Deborah said, you know, not all, all products is equal, created equal, and when the product or maybe a view or something else isn't really up to you know, $3,000 a square foot, then obviously you're not going to be able to sell an apartment at that price. Well said. Um, so here also yeah. in, in my research, it's been reported that foreign buyers <clears throat> are not are not playing as big a role as we many of us have thought in purchasing these new condos. I think the percentage of foreign buyers is between 15 and 20%. So that says 75 to 80% are just normal New Yorkers or or local folks. Is this a correct statistic? I mean, because we've been talking about on this program for weeks, and certainly in our industry here in New York City, the foreign buyer, the foreign buyer, the Chinese buyer, you know, the Russian buyer, the Brazilian buyer, why aren't they buying new developments, according to this piece of research? Well, I think they are buying new developments, and they're the newsworthy ones, which is getting them a lot of buzz, right? And then you have, obviously, the rest of the market, which is the domestic buyers. Um, you know, the price, because the interest rates are low and the pricing is so high, it's they're, they're still buying, but I think once you know interest rates start to rise, that's going to be uh, a bit problematic, and I'm, interesting to see, I'm interested to see what that's going to do to the domestic market. Correct, but I, I think I was confused. <clears throat> I thought that the, the higher percentage of buyers in new condos were the foreign buyers and the locals or the New Yorkers were sort of underneath, but it seems like it's completely the other way. So yes, of course, they're purchasing, but not at the, at the rate that we all thought. So you know, th- th- there's something to be said, I think, for news reports or statistics, and it does change on a, on a, on a daily basis, basically. But um, yes, they are purchasing. But in my opinion, I, I thought that they were buying even more. So what then, let's move on to, uh, we have another minute or so in this segment. What is trending today in new developments? What do you think um, is, is the buzz in new developments today? Finishes, prices, location, buildings, uh, star architect, developer, what's trending what are I think that the smarter, it seems to me that the smarter buyer understands that there are, you know, buildings or vertical neighborhoods and that, um, you know, if there is a specific sort of architect or a specific developer um, who is putting up a building, um, designs are getting leaked fairly early, et cetera. Um, I think that the savvier buyer knows um, that there are specific buildings that you can get into where you're going, you're, you're, your increase in value and your investment is going to be a lot higher 
the second the building folds, that sells out. And so there's a specific rationale to some of these buildings, and, um, and I believe that buyers do understand that now. All right, guys, we're going to take a break. We will come back to talk about tips for selling your home. We are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, we're back, everybody. I'm talking to my panel, Niall, Deborah, and Parul. And our last segment uh, this morning, we want to talk about tips for selling your home, or in this particular case, tips for selling your apartment in the New York City uh, area. We, we as brokers, and we've all been in the business for quite some time, we all have our different styles, and we all you know, approach a new seller or a new opportunity differently. But you know, there are some basic things that we need to checklist as we go through, and basic you know, things that we need to make sure our sellers understand to put their apartment on the market and to make it show in its best light, et cetera, et cetera. And we've talked about this, you know, through the weeks and different segments and stuff. But I think it's important to kind of reiterate some of some of these points because there are a lot of sellers who are listening, a lot of our customers who are listening, and some new potential sellers that don't necessarily, if they haven't sold before, don't necessarily even understand what the process is. So, you know, I'm going to just jot off a couple of things here like – for example, you know, when you decide to sell, even before you, you decide to choose an agent, you, know, you need to inspect your property, hire an inspector if possible, and find out what you may need to repair in your home, little contracting work. Maybe it's your super, maybe it's your handyman, because when things within the apartment don't show well or look like they're in disrepair, buyers coming in don't, you know, they don't all have vision. So it's a big problem. What do, do you guys agree with that? I mean, how do you feel about, you know, telling sellers when you finally do meet them that they need to go through the apartment? And sometimes I do it with them myself. I'll walk through, similar to what we do at a closing, you know, before a closing, I'll walk through with them and I'll point out stuff that needs to be painted, you know, nailed in, you know, whatever. Do you guys do the same thing? Actually, I just did this yesterday. And one of the things that we don't even think about is not only making sure that all the light bulbs are working, not, oh, I'll change it whenever. No, make sure all the light bulbs are working, 
all the knobs are on furniture. But sometimes you may have a few pieces of furniture that you might gently want to say to the seller, oh, are you keeping this? Are you taking this with you? And when they say no, say, you know what? Get rid of it now. So it will save you worrying about it later. Because sometimes the apartment could look great, but the investors may be missing all their knobs or something. And buyers see that, and it reflects on the entire apartment. Yeah, I agree. It, it, it's it's very important to make sure that, you know, and listen, sometimes apartments are not in great condition, but at least we can enhance a few little things. And I mean, if we're talking about major renovations, that's another whole story. Then we get to the point where, you know, a seller has to sit down and decide to choose a local, you know, area real estate agent. And that's where we come into play. And also an attorney, an attorney to represent their interest in selling a home. And how many times do we approach a new seller and they don't have pre-qualification to buy something new? They don't have an attorney, you know, picked out to help sell this apartment, et cetera. What do you guys tell your people with this? First of all, it's, it's, it's great when they choose us to come in and talk to them uh, and we win um, the deal to sell. But what, what do we tell them about, you know, the start of the process, especially where attorneys are concerned? Yeah, you know? it's always important to have the right team in place and especially – um, having all of your ducks in a row. I mean, it's funny when you get a seller or a buyer, for example, who are, yeah, my uncle is, uh, you know, an attorney in Tennessee. I want him to be the guy, and it's, you know, I mean, I, I, I can appreciate that, but that's completely not how you how you do it here in New York City. They have, you have to have a New York City specific attorney who's intimately familiar with condos and co-ops. Um, anything less than that would would be just add, adding headaches down the line. I've been in, involved in deals like that that. Um, have blown up or have have gone on for months um, simply due to lack of knowledge. So just having the right team is is the most important thing, and having your ducks in a row and making sure that you're very prepared and understanding what the next steps are, so that when it happens, there's no surprises down the line. Well said, and I and I agree with that. So <clears throat> you have your real estate agent picked out, and so uh, you have the team in place. Now you know it comes down to pricing. How am I going to price this apartment? And you know the best thing for us to do is the competitive market analysis to help the seller price the home. What kind of feedback or pushback actually do we get sometimes when we come up with a price that we think should be the right selling price, but the seller has? visions of grandeur or wants a little more money, but because after all, you know, I think I'm sitting on a pot of gold here, whatever. That's an obstacle that I know I come up against quite often. And we need to, as professionals, kind of, you know, talk them through this. So comps are important. How do we deal well, with that? It feels like a lot of times, um, you know, I mean, and I would hope that this is the case because the seller really should do their due diligence and make sure that they're hiring the right person to sell their apartment. Um, you know, so hopefully, and most of the time, I would assume, unless it's a personal relationship, you know, we are pitching against our fellow colleague brokers in the market. Um, unfortunately, sometimes what happens is one or two people may be trying to win the pitch um, by saying, oh, well, I know I could sell it for X amount because ultimately it's going to be the number that speaks to the seller is the sort of ideology. Um, I firmly believe that it's it's good to manage your, your seller's expectations and yet be confident in the fact that if you do your job correctly, you will bring in the highest price. Um, but I think that when you come from that place, you have the ability to sit down with your seller and say, look, I am not going to promise you something that I cannot deliver. I am going to tell you this is what I can deliver. This is why I think that. And, you know, a few shows ago we talked about this. If they disagree, I will take them out and show them comparable properties. I'll say, look, act like a buyer, 
and you tell me where you think your property fits in line with these. So I will take them around their own neighborhood and let them see what it is that they're competing against to understand relative value. Um, I think those sorts of things are really important instead of just hopping to being the broker who's going to give them the highest price promise and then lower, lower the price a month later. You're really not serving them by doing that. Well, a couple of things that you touch on, Parole, that, that, that's correct. I mean, so, you know, we are always up against the other broker who will come in and say, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll price it twenty, fifty, thirty thousand, dollars $100,000 more, you know, to get the listing. So we deal with that. Um, but I, I like your idea of taking your sellers out sometimes to look at the competitive properties uh, to see exactly where they are priced, and maybe that helps them. So in your experience when you do that, do you find that you, you are successful in, in getting them to list where you want them to? Absolutely, and I really believe that. I mean, I guess you know everybody has their own approach. I mean, I think that um, for me what happens is I feel that people recognize integrity and they also understand whether you want, it, ultimately, integrity is only one part of the equation. You have to understand the market. You have to understand how to serve your clients. And when you can put forth all of those places, all, all of those pieces together in front of your in front of your seller, you really help them make an intelligent decision. And and I believe that you know if you know what you're doing, you come out ahead. Let's talk about marketing plans because, uh, you know, when I go out and I pitch an exclusive, whether I'm against other people, which I'm sure, you know, eight times out of ten I am, unless it's a personal relationship, do your, do your sellers ask you how you're going to market their apartment? Because, you know, this is one of the things I put on the list of tips for selling a home, both for the seller and both for the broker. How often do your sellers ask you for your marketing plan? And, and, and by the way, what is in your marketing plan? I think that's a, that's a crazy question because well, – not a crazy question, but I think it's a little bit interesting because from my experience, I'm not seeing that people ask that too often. I think they, they overlook that and you have to bring it up as a broker. Hey, by the way, this is actually what I'm going to do. Good point. You know, they're, they're talking a lot about you know, price and, and, why, and why they think that they, they should get this price because they come, become a little bit emotional on their unit. And then you have to say, hey, look, you know, this is the reason why I'm the guy. Um, because this will be my plan. I actually have a plan in place. This is the strategy. Here's where I'm going to advertise. I'm going to be proactive in the follow-up, um, in, in contacting other brokers who have done deals in the building, in the neighborhood, and then I'm going to introduce them to your property. And then once they understand that and they hear you say that, you know, I think that, that there's a better selling point. Um, so I, I would say that you know, people... Uh, overlook that point, a lot of sellers. I would agree with you. And, you know, occasionally it comes up. But, you know, in the older days, and I'm doing this 13 years, <clears throat> when I first started, marketing plans were very big because we were doing a lot more advertising in New York Times, in, in magazines. You know, today everything is is uh, Internet-driven. Everything is pretty much free. So it's almost automatic when you put a listing up. It goes to all the right websites. It goes to all the right, you know, vehicles that, you know, people search for real estate. So I think... You know, it's just a given today that, you know, uh, our marketing plan is, is basically uh, geared towards the Internet. But some people do ask. You're right. A lot don't. But it's interesting to see how the tides have turned there. You know, one of the things I always say, you know, when I'm walking into an apartment is please remove clutter. Please remove kids' toys and remove evidence of pets. Now, I have a dog. You know, people have dogs and cats. But please remove evidence of these things because when buyers walk in, they say, wow, you know, this is, you know, it's, it's not for me. How often do you guys run, again, run up against that? And a better question is, do you ever walk into a place that needs nothing, that's absolutely perfect? Few and far between, but I think it exists sometimes. 
I would say uh, both have both happened for sure. And I mean, sort of to tie in the last topic about marketing and marketing plans. One of the things that I bring up with sellers is the art of showing. Um, there are brokers who I've walked into with my buyers to an open house, and they'll be sitting on the couch texting. Um, there are other brokers who sort of are overselling the place instead of letting somebody just experience it. Um, I believe it's really important to read the people who've walked in through the door and understand what it is that's going to make them most comfortable while walking through the place. One of those things, obviously, is removing clutter and making sure that the place looks as pristine as possible because I just I think that ultimately this whole process is emotional and psychological. And if somebody walks in and they don't feel comfortable, they don't feel like they had a good time while, while they were there, that they were that they, they felt at peace in the place, um, all of those things are going to impact. They're going to think that they're making a rational decision. What they're walking away is, is, is with the feeling of the place. And so the clutter, the way you do the showing, um, all of those things are extremely important um, in making sure that you create the right environment. Right. It's got to be neutral, as you said, because, you know, when someone walks into a, an apartment or a home, whatever, and it's, it's so highly personalized, you know, with photos and, 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 you know, whatever, personal effects all over the place, it can be a turnoff. No matter how good the bones are in this business, we talk about the bones of an apartment, it can, it, it can be a, a turnoff. You know, one of the things I always tell sellers, too, is, you know, for showings, you may want to leave while your home is being shown so that the buyers feel more comfortable to move around and discuss your property with your real estate professionals, including opening closets, opening cabinet doors and kitchens, whatever. Sometimes, not often, sometimes you get that seller who wants to be at every showing. How often do you encounter that? And how do you get over that? That's a, that's a big one. Now you have somebody right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm right. Just, <laughs> Vince sees my face. I'm cringing right here. I actually had a situation like that recently, and the, the seller you know, demanded on being there and uh, – the buyer left like, you know, completely annoyed because the, the seller was just talking about all of her ideas about what can be done. And, you know, the, the buyer doesn't care what the seller's ideas are. They want to have their own vision. They want to walk around in peace, not be sold on, on this renovation or this or whatever can be done. So it, it is problematic. And I had to sit down with the seller and say, look, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. We, we can't do this anymore. This is not how it's going to happen. You know, the buyer needs to go in there and have, and I think what everyone's talking about is you know, parole, you specifically is like being like in a comfortable environment and do they like it and have a good experience there. I always talk about, and I use the word vibe. It's very important to have a good vibe when you're in, um, in an apartment and get a good feeling. So if the sellers there kind of jam things down the throat or talking about all the exciting things or the vision that they have, it's problematic for buyers. And I think it's, it, it does more harm than good in, in every situation. I, I agree. Um, it, it, it absolutely does more harm than good. And I've had multiple situations where that has occurred and it's, 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 it's touchy and it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it can be a little crazy, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. In closing, I just wanted to mention that million dollar listing New York Bravo TV's, uh, series that follows the professional and personal lives of three New York brokers, Ryan Serhant, Frederick Eklund and Luis Ortiz, who was actually a guest on this show a couple of weeks ago, was nominated for an Emmy yesterday. The show, which made its debut in 2012 and recently wrapped its third season, has done remarkably well in the ratings and with the audience. According to The Hollywood Reporter, season three, which just ended uh, last month, averaged 1.1 million total viewers, which made it the most watched season of all their seasons. Uh, Season four begins filming next week. On next week's show, if you are not – here's a quote. If you are not standing out, then you are blending in. When people know – what you stand for, know who you are, and what makes you memorable, then you are creating a real estate practice 
with a consistent flow of income. You will love what you do because you will be aligned with what makes you feel good. This is a quote from my guest next week, Dawn Darty. Dawn is a business development coach who program, whose programs have helped hundreds of professionals create financial freedom for themselves while living their best lives. You won't want to miss that. Until next time, thank you for joining me, and I look forward to being with you next Tuesday morning at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, on the Variety Channel here on Voice America. You can always tweet me at the show uh, or check in at voiceamerica.com. Remember, um, look for me on Facebook. I would like to say thank you for today. Have a great day and talk to you next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. 